Welcome one and all to the Damage Guild, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. It is an age of perpetual war. For 200 years, the Emperor's throne has stood empty, giving rise to violence and bloodshed over a divided realm. Our tale begins in the kingdom of Ormar, a long-standing bastion of peace amid the hostilities of its neighboring countries. In the sprawling trade city of Ninept, three humble strangers will be drawn together into a world of danger and intrigue, where they will forge new friendships, face unspeakable threats, and rise as heroes. Now, let us draw steel and enter the fray, for the time of high adventure has arrived. We begin with Shaba. You are in the Mercantile District when you notice a piece of parchment nailed to one of the local job boards, written in large, bold lettering. Uh, what time of day is it? It's evening. You're walking home. I like parchment. Uh, Goliaths can read common, right? Yes. Okay. Then I read it. It reads, Help wanted, in search of brave, noble souls willing to risk life and limb for gold and glory. Have you ever wanted to travel the world, meet fascinating people, explore subterranean dwellings, rescue damsels in distress... Recover discarded artifacts of potentially significant power. Slay enormous fire-breathing beasts who threaten the countryside with immolation and desecration. Then you're in luck. Experience all this and more and get paid doing it. Contact Aslo Tendertoe for more information about this unique and thrilling employment opportunity. Oh, boy. Uh, so, like, most of that sounded good. The life and limb part was a little... I'm not so sure. Uh, is there an address anywhere? <laughs> there is an address down at the bottom. It definitely have those little, like, tabs at the bottom where you can rip it off, yeah. I will take one of the tabs, and I ask Stripey, my badger, uh, what he thinks about it. And he growls. <laughs> Does Stripey, like, sit on your shoulder, or is he... Sometimes I ride my badger like a skateboard. Which will be... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> He can sit on my shoulder, but most of the time he just likes to walk. He's been known to frighten children from time to time, but otherwise he's all bark and no bite. I kind of, I reread the poster a couple of times. I'll think it over. I'll sleep on it. Jumping to Tokus. Just arriving at your home, you see one of these posters off on a nearby job board. I peer up at, at the poster and it, it kind of at an awkward angle, obviously because <laughs> I'm so short. But I, th- I can kind of make out what's going on. Uh, I read some of it and... Uh, I I jump because there's no stool. I I jump up and with such enthusiasm grab and I accidentally take a few too many of the of the little tabs, but I pocket one of them and scurry off uh, to the room that I'm renting. So it seems immediately appealing to you. I've already made my decision. I don't know if you could get that from my description. (laughs) I'm definitely going. Jumping back to Shaba. It is now the following morning. And you find yourself working your way through filthy streets covered with refuse, walking past rotting wooden shacks and dubious tenements that make up the area of the city known as the Mool Slums. 
in search of the address noted at the bottom of the paper. So this is like one of the worst parts of town. It is. However, you live right next to the other worst part of town. <laughs> so. Okay, right. Yeah. My, the place I live is no, you know, it's no palace. But I'm basically thinking, okay, this poster was talking about making money. And this is someone who lives in literally, <laughs> like, the, a pile of garbage. <laughs> so, like, why am I doing this? I'm kind of having second thoughts, but I just let my feet take me where they're going because I feel like it's worth at least seeing what it's about. Most of the denizens of the slums draw back as you approach, clearly wary of your towering physique. Yeah. <laughs> Others, ruffians and thugs from the looks of them, take notice of you, but seemingly only long enough to decide you have nothing of value to steal <laughs> and aren't worth their time. It's true. I don't have anything. Finally, you arrive at your destination, a large, half-collapsed structure featuring several entrances, with stairs on one side leading up to a second floor of additional apartments. You find the door you're looking for on the ground level, painted with a bright splash of color in an otherwise drab neighborhood. Okay, so I don't have to go up the stairs, because I was kind of <laughs> wary about that. I don't know if those things would hold me. Um, we'll knock on the door. Aslo, your dreams are disturbed by a loud pounding. <laughs> you toss and turn momentarily before realizing someone's at the door. I will not be happy about it, because I'm not a morning person, but I will uh, jump out of bed, throw uh, throw on some kind of robe, and, and go answer the door. You look out and see a pair of knees in front of you. <laughs> uh, turning upwards, you see an imposing man, easily over seven feet tall, hairless, with gray skin covered with pebbly protrusions and strange tattoos. He's dressed in animal skins, with a longbow slung over his shoulder, a quiver at his hip, and a badger following closely at his heels. <laughs> Shava, as the door opens, you see no one immediately, then notice what at first glance appears to be a small, rather plump child with curly brown hair staring up at you. You quickly realize this is not a child, but a halfling standing barely three feet tall. His clothing, though old and worn, is brightly colored and elaborate. Stripey is growling at you because he growls at everybody new. Uh, sorry, sir. If you're trying to sell anything, I'm afraid I don't really have uh, much money at the moment. Uh, <laughs> you'll excuse me. Have a, have a nice day. No, I'm, I'm not selling anything. Uh, I saw your poster calling for friends to travel with. And I'm kind of like wiping sleep out of my eyes. Oh, oh, you saw my poster. Oh, that's that's excellent news. You look like you could be a great fit for what I'm looking for. <laughs> and of course, I'm I'm a flat three feet tall, so he's literally four feet taller than me, more than twice my height. Yeah, I'm seven and a half feet. So, so I'm kind of looking up at him yeah. and sizing up the badger and everything, too. I tell Stripey to behave himself. And I clear my throat and take a deep breath and say, I am Shaba, born of Crag and Thunder, son of Pachaka, Last of the Dabaday clan and exile of the tribe of Arakashan. Some call me Windbrother, the shadow who wanders the glade, or Hammerstone, breaker of the mountain, defender and friend to creatures great and small. I bid you well met, and I pray the shoulder of the Ramlord be always at your back. Uh, yes, my name is Aslo. Well met. To you too. What was the first part of that again? I am Shaba, born of Crag and Thunder. Just, just, the, just the first part? Shaba. Shaba, excellent. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice to meet you. Listen, I've already started drafting up some, some paperwork, uh, contracts. You know, we've got uh, some great benefits. Uh, and so do you want to um, come in? I, I don't know if you can fit. Do you mind if my badger accompanies me? I was going to ask if he would harm anything in the apartment, but there's honestly nothing here worth salvaging anyway. So yeah, sure. <laughs> come on in. I duck down below the door and enter 
my apartment's pretty much a wreck. There's just like, you know, cereal boxes thrown, strewn everywhere and <laughs> dirty dishes. There's like ketchup on the walls. And- <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how that got there. Don't, don't mind that. Uh, and then, yeah, I go over to my ramshackle kitchen table and I do have like some contracts I've been drafting up. Contracts. Yes. Uh, if you uh, decide to join this little venture, you would effectively serve as an employee and uh, you'd be, you know, employed by my company here. All right. A sudden rapping at the door interrupts the conversation. Were you expecting someone else? Oh, my goodness. Goodness me. Pardon me. Uh, And I go over to the door. You open the door to reveal a figure about three and a half feet tall, also with curly brown hair, plus a patchy beard, and dressed in chain mail, (laughs) laden with a large backpack and several pouches. A rapier and crossbow hang from opposite hips, and a shield is just visible peeking out from behind the gnome's pack. Yes, I saw your poster. Oh, hi. Uh, hi there. I wasn't expecting so many people. Come in, come in. Do you want some, some tea or something? Oh, sorry. Forgive me. I, uh, my name is Aslo. Aslo, eh? Mine's Tokus. Tokus Alton. Tokus, it's great to meet you. I already have uh, someone visiting here. If you want to come in, we'll uh, we'll get you all situated. Oh, is, is the position already filled? Because, you know, I've got many other places I could be right now. Oh, it's... no, no, no. I was, uh, I was hoping for a couple of positions, actually. I mean, I have a couple of positions. I reach out and I grab your hand unexpectedly. <laughs> Oh, oh, great, great. <laughs> uh, yes, c- come on in. And so I go in and uh, I guess I introduce the two of them. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Shaba, born of Crag and Thunder, son of Pachaka, last of the Dabade clan and exile of the tribe of Arakashan. <laughs> well, that's all very well and good. I, I reach out my hand. <laughs> and uh, my hand envelops yours. <laughs> well, like my, my arm, like to my forearm, <laughs> yeah. and you kind of... I imagine you, like, shake me up and down a little bit. Yeah, I, I try to be, you know, gentle. I slow it down a little bit for, for Shaba, and I say, yes, uh, my name is Tokas. <laughs> Tokas. Yes, very good. You're getting it. I bid you well met, and I pray the shoulder of the Ram Lord be always at your back. Uh, your poster didn't say anything about giants. Yes, I was just uh, telling Mr. Shaba here that um, <clears throat> got some paperwork drafted up here that you gentlemen can look over. We offer great benefits. We've got a 401k plan. <laughs> yeah, if you'll just take take a look at this, you can see what uh, I'm offering here. Uh, is it a regular-sized table, or do you have a halfling-sized table? Regular-sized, and I just have to climb up onto the chairs. I sort of drape myself over one of the chairs and tell Stripey to behave while I'm reading. Don't get me wrong, the the poster was very, um... Convincing? Yes, but I found the details to be a little fuzzy. Well, you could think of it as sort of a contracting service. We would be people for hire. When you mentioned life and limb, was that in a, a literal sense or more of a figurative kind of maybe there will be dangerous things happening and maybe not? Uh, well, you have to understand the nature of what we're going to be doing is going to be varied and could range anywhere from working out a deal with someone to fighting large, dangerous beasts with sharp, pointy teeth. So, <laughs> really, I just want to make sure that you're aware of that and, and prepared for any eventuality. Dismemberment or, I mean, in extremely rare circumstances. I mean, this is, you know. But Nanept is such a peaceful place. It's... It's safe, and there's a lot of fighting happening around here. Is it really that safe, though? How do you know that there aren't people stalking you in the alleyways and looking to jump you at any possible chance? Someone's got to go out there and put those things to right. Yes, but there are also no battlefields in the city, and 
I like it here. Uh, Shabba, if I may, if I may. And at this point, I'm completely ignoring these two. Like, <laughs> I've already read the contract like twice over. I opened up my jeweler's tools and I have like the little like... Magnifying glass. My, yeah, it's like a bit of a magnifying... <laughs> I've already gone over the... The fine print. And so I'm very like accusingly, I say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, append uh, 7B. So again, and I, I kind of slow it down because I feel like I don't want Shabba to miss any details here. I'm like, it, it essentially <laughs> notes that... Aslo's character actually makes the largest cut for any adventures that we go on. He makes an extra 25% more than either of us. So it's like cut 50 and then 25-25. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's not an even split. So I kind of talk this over with you So and say maybe we should renegotiate. Uh, yeah, what about Stripey's cut? Uh, Stripey... Oh, so that thing would be coming with you my badger and i are a package deal we come together we don't do anything separately i don't have very many non-negotiable stipulations as to my employment but that's one of them mm. uh can he fight he fights all the time <laughs> okay he hates most people <laughs> and most animals and most pretty much anything that breathes the way we met, actually, it's a funny little story. He had fallen into one of my deadfall traps that was meant for a deer. He'd had his two back legs crushed. Mm. Oh, wow. And so, of course, he was very angry and in pain. So when I went up to free the little guy, he bit off two of my toes. With this new knowledge, I kind of look suspiciously at Stripey, <laughs> like kind of giving him the, the once over. Like, I haven't really paid much attention to him at this point, like... Badger, huh? <laughs> and the badger's coming with us. Yeah, and at that remark, too, Aslo sort of, like, pulls his feet up onto the chair and sits cross-legged <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I eventually managed to muzzle him and carried him all the way back to Thakin, the tribal medicine man in my village, who had consumed far too much glopus root, his customary psychedelic intoxicant. Ah, <laughs> uh, glopus root, it'll get you. Uh, he was able to mend the badger's wounds with some minor magics, but I shortly fell unconscious from the loss of blood, and I woke up to find <laughs> that Thakin had reattached my toes to the wrong stumps. So oh. I now have two toes that are on backwards. <laughs> and of course, naturally, Stripey and I became the best of friends after that, and we have been ever since. So that just goes to show you, he's scrappy. Aslo sort of wipes a little tear from his eye as he's listening to the story. It's, it's so beautiful. I mean, I kind of hope you just had left him in the trap. You know, that could have been dinner. Actually, I've eaten badger before. Uh, I, I speak quietly. I've eaten badger before and it's not very good. Does, does he know this? No, don't oh, tell him. Okay. Don't tell him. He'll be very upset. Can he sign a contract? In his heart, he can. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, I guess if he must come along with us, then how about 40, 30, and 30? And so you split the 30 between the two of you, 30%. So in other words, you're taking a 10% finder's fee? Yeah, I mean, listen, being the background guy here, I've got to make connections. I mean, I, I have connections and, you know, the, the, the business uh, understanding and all that stuff. I mean, somebody's got to do the, the hard work, right? I make an insight check to see if I trust him, if I trust his <laughs> motives, I guess. I mean, obviously, he's giving us a smaller cut than he's taking. Well, it's 5% better than it was in the contract. Right, that's true. So he's already being a little flexible. Yeah, so I basically make a check to see if I feel that he's being genuine. Um, that's pretty bad. So <laughs> using double my thing uh, because of my 
empathic ability. It's just double my uh, proficiency bonus, right? I think so, yeah. Oh, it's the standard proficiency bonus. Okay. Um, so that would be an eight. <laughs> Should I roll anything to go with that? Are you trying to be deceptive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am definitely trying to be persuasive, for sure. Yeah, I would say make your persuasion check. Okay. All right, that would be a... 12. So you find that there's not any particular issues with him taking a larger cut. Well, that sounds good, but I would like Stripey to have a larger portion of my cut. So we'll take 30% and I'll give him 60% of my 30% and I'll take 40. Does that sound equitable? Um, well, you're really pulling my leg here, but all right, I'll give it to you. And I extend a hand. So I kind of elbow uh, Shaba. Yes, I mean, this all seems well and good. I just wonder, why are you doing this? Why Why do you really want to start an adventuring crew? We need to know a little bit more about uh, you, obviously, before I sign this. You have noticed throughout this conversation that uh, Aslo speaks with a strong accent mm. from another land. Perhaps not native to this area. Uh, so I attended uh, Bard's College from a very young age. I'm a, um, I'm what you would call a musician. <laughs> I perform uh, music and magic and combine the two to, you know, put on a really unique and uh, spectacular performance. <laughs> Wait a minute. If you're going to ask us to wear dresses and juggle things for your performance, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing about this that's simply a performance. Educated people make me nervous. I never quite know what to think of them. Uh, I mean, I'm not that educated. It was, it's, think of it like a liberal arts degree, you know, one of, <laughs> one of those kind of situations. <laughs> So something with very little real world application. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> See, you understand me. <laughs> Hence the reason why you are uh, starting out on a new career path here. <laughs> well, yeah, this is just sort of a sort of a variation from from what I'd been doing. Um, I had played a few local pubs and taverns, but nothing really too big. And um, I'm basically just looking to sort of branch out and do something a little different. I, I just think that my uh, skill set would be better applied. Uh, in this sort of setting. At this point, you hear a series of loud thumping sounds coming from the ceiling up above you. They start and stop sporadically. Who lives above you? Oh, don't mind that. That's uh, just an old sea dog who lives upstairs. Captain Clapton. Captain <laughs> Clapton. Does he normally do disruptive things like this? Uh, it's a little hard for him to not do that because he kind of has two peg legs. He has two peg legs. <laughs> he was in a very unfortunate uh, accident at sea, and so that's, that's his life now. If I may, why is he living upstairs if he has an impairment, and why are you on the base floor? That's something I've always wondered since the day I met him, but, you know, them's the breaks, I guess. Yeah, shouldn't he have handicap access? <laughs> the level of accessibility in this city is just medieval, I tell you what. There might be an elevator out back or something, I don't know. Elevator? I'm trying to think of, like, what that would look like. It's got to be really retro like a team of men that haul the captain like up in this little pulley system box and then he like crawls through the window so anyway um do you guys have any other questions about this employment opportunity do you have connections do you know where where to start i mean what do we do just walk outside and start yelling that we're for hire i've been uh collecting contact information from a number of potential employers and uh just recently started Sort of contacting them. So I don't have any leads right now, but I'm sort of hoping that one will come in eh, any minute now. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, it sounds good. This whole staying in one place thing for a while is kind of getting old. You know, I'm a nomad at heart. I grew up in a, a tribe that 
up and traveled everywhere and this is the first time in my life I've stayed put for more than a few months. Oh, that's that's great. I think you'd uh, think that would be a great fit then. And for you, Mr. Tokus? Uh, other than that, I didn't see anything wrong with the contract. Uh, obviously, your language is a little primitive, but um, it, it makes sense. As I was kind of like, hmm? And it sure uh, sure beats what I've been doing. I've basically been a manslave living in this guy's house. Uh, actually, I think it's his broom closet, but I mean, I don't know the difference. And, uh, you know, I, cleaning, uh, picking up after him, laundry. And uh, I'm kind of tired of doing all that. So there's one page in particular that's like where we would sign. And mm-hmm. I rip it off like really fast, like scribble an elaborate signature, you know, in rock gnome language. And uh, I uh, hand it to you very impulsively. Just just all of a sudden, like, I'm all go. Even though I was like, <laughs> so, so like, you know, questionable. Another knock on the door, quick series of three taps draws your attention. Oh, gee golly goodness. I don't usually get this many visitors in one day. How many friends did you say you were looking for? Accomplices? Just sort of hoping for two or three. Well, you have three right here. <laughs> that's that's true. Let's. Uh, I guess I'll see what this other visitor is. Yeah, I quickly sign, and then I put some ink on the tip of Stripey's toe and imprint his toe print next to my signature. <laughs> he growls as you do that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like it, but it's happening. <laughs> All right, so I scurry over to the door. You open the door to reveal a man in a high-quality tunic and boots covered with a heavy green cloak. He holds his hood close over his face as he surveys the scene in front of him, muttering something under his breath. After a few seconds, he speaks out. Is this the home of Aslo Tendertoe? Uh, why, yes, that it is. I am the aforementioned uh, halfling. Nice to meet you. He frowns slightly before stepping inside, closing the door behind him and removing his hood to reveal a ruddy complexion with dark blonde hair and a thick, short beard. I'm here because I saw your poster advertising a skilled band of adventurers able to take on any task. He looks over the group again, doubt clearly visible in his eyes. We try to look presentable. I try to look as big as a <laughs> rock gnome possibly can. I wave to him and say, I'm Shaba, born of Crag and Thunder, son of Pachaka, last of the Dabade clan and exile of the tribe of Arakashan. <laughs> and I'm Tokus Alton. My name is Rysenth Cloudin. My client is looking for a team to help with an investigation and potentially perform a rescue mission in the Verdant Ridge. Are you all interested? I like very slowly turn to look at them and I just have a big old grin on my face. I'm like, see, what did I tell <laughs> I told you? you? It would all work out. Uh, well, <clears throat> as a first level ranger, I know how far that is and how to get there, <laughs> actually. I know exactly how to get there. I've been there before. As a matter of fact, I could take us. That sounds excellent. What, uh, what exactly are we doing for you, Mr. Rysenth. Starting a few months ago, rumors began to circulate around town about plagues, villages being left suddenly empty and desolate, dangerous creatures prowling the land, and so on. Most of the stories point to the mountains and the nearby lands. Seeing as the mountains are near to the borders of Ormog, my client decided to send a team of three scouts to perform reconnaissance in order to gain some more reliable information and to protect his interests. Our scouts, Nerdok and Wilmstrathus and Dillard Merchant, set out along the Sapphire Road, headed towards Pilshire and Dynesia. However, they are late in returning, so I recommend you start by heading there in the hopes of locating them and bringing them safely back to Nanept. What were they scouting for? Are you part of a military group or a... I am not at liberty to discuss my client at the moment. I see. So this is like working for the federal government, sort of. <laughs> yeah, can't tell you or I'd have to kill okay. you. Okay, it. You will be paid six gold per man returned alive and well, half that if they are dead or otherwise unable to provide their reports. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute. 
Did you say gold? (laughs) (laughs) I did. In addition to that finder's fee, any useful information you bring back, along with proof of its veracity, will be rewarded, subject to negotiation, by up to 30 gold pieces. Gold. Judging from the looks of you, that's a fortune you could certainly use. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, good sir. Right, our eyes kind of get wide. In fact, I'm willing to pay some in advance if you can provide collateral in case you should fail to fulfill the mission. He looks doubtfully around the room. What what sort of collateral are we talking about here? Whatever you have of value that you would be willing to give up should you not return. I tap Tendertoe on the shoulder because although I don't think he's as slow as Shaba, <laughs> uh, I, I point at there's this scraggly piece of parchment on the wall that's been like uh, framed. And I assume that it's it's a diploma. Bard's College. <laughs> this is your most prized possession, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> I, we're, we're not going to... Let's... No, let, let's not look at that right now. Hold on. We got we to gotta figure something other things out here first. <laughs> I go over and take it off the wall. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Look at, hold look on, at the guys. back of it. Look at, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, certainly one of you has to have something with you, right, that, that could serve this purpose? Uh, I'm going to level with you. I have literally nothing. I'm a hunter. I sell pelts every now and then. I can make you a, a number of stone tools, such as axes, knives, and... Uh, other various assorted uh, implements. I don't have time for you to make something for me. I have some back at my tent that I, uh, I've already made. If you'd rather go out now and return and I'll pay you then, then you wouldn't need to provide any collateral. I don't have anything that would serve as collateral. Aside from this diploma. <laughs> hmm. What good would that do me? <laughs> None at all, except that you could impress your friends with your educated background. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Clouden, I'd like to discuss this uh, with the other two for a moment, please. He nods. And so I grab Shaba's, like, the, the first segment of his finger with my hand, <laughs> kind of pull him along. I take a knee and wrap my arms around my two new friends to create a sort of... <laughs> soundproofing? Sound barrier? Sound barrier. Yeah. And Stripey gets up on his hind legs behind me and growls at the dude um, and makes himself really big so that his fur will block some of the sound. Rysynth <laughs> takes a couple steps back. So, um, Aslo, this deliberation we're having with a uh, potential client, this falls under your jurisdiction, according to uh, page number nine, section C. You did write this contract, did you not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, totally. Of course I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um what uh so what are you what are you getting at here with that the fact that your liberal arts degree would be perfect collateral because it's not really worth anything in the first place <laughs> i'm just i'm being very matter of fact with you i'm not trying to insult you in any way shape or form i mean we could get you a, a new one a better one. Oh, but that takes years of training uh, i mean that's that's four years of of schooling and i don't think it's that really replaceable how about this little friend. We will offer this diploma as collateral, and if some harm should befall it, I will create for you an exact replica made of stone. Oh, well, hmm, that does sound <laughs> enticing. You turn back and look at Rysenth, and he's just got his face in his hand. <laughs> not interested in some piece of paper. <laughs> <coughs> some piece of paper? Excuse me? <laughs> this represents four years of hard work and disciplined training. Which I did not undergo. <laughs> Mr. Shaba, you said you are particularly attuned to the wilds, and would you be able to perhaps scrounge up some food for us while on the way? As a matter of fact, I can more than feed 
the two of you. I'll forage, I'll hunt, we will be adequately fed for the entirety of our journey. I think Asla is sort of like trying to, to play it cool and like pretend like he knows what he's talking about, but he's clearly a little in over his head already. Yeah. I don't suppose we need too much uh, coinage up front. We can just wait for payment on delivery. Yeah, I ask Ryson, first of all, how do we find you again when we get back? And second of all, do you have any information about the sorts of creatures this party may have tangled with? Rumors are vague and we don't have anything that resembles reliable information at this point. That's why they were sent in the first place. As for finding me, find my contact at the Blue Salmon. Mm. He'll put you in touch with me. Do you know this tavern, Aslo? I do. I do, as a matter of fact. I've played there a few times myself. And he does a little bow. I don't recognize you, but I'll wait. <laughs> don't pay attention to that. Don't mind that. <laughs> and he said that was six gold per scout returned alive, or three gold uh otherwise. What about partial scouts returning? Yeah, what if they're partially alive? <laughs> what if they are partially intact? Will they be prorated based on their mass? Proof of their deaths will qualify for the three gold. Could you describe what they looked like? Did they have any distinguishing marks? Jewelry that they wore? Any characteristics that we might look out for? And can you show us on a map what you believe to be their approximate uh, course? If we knew which direction they went, then we could try to follow in their footsteps. Aslo is already so uh, happy with his new hires. He's like brimming with excitement. He's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm actually very bored with this conversation and just like kind of like, come on, like, you know, like, why are you asking all these stupid, like, that's the look I'm giving Shaba. Tracking is an art form. It requires finesse. And so we want to gather information about our targets so that we can make a more accurate assessment of who they were as people and what might have led them to whatever misfortune may have befallen them. The Strathus brothers were both tall men with dark brown hair. So he gives you a basic description along with what they were wearing and everything. To keep myself occupied with this really long, what my character finds long and drawn out. You know those like investigative artists, like I've like sketched out like three <laughs> pictures on the table, like while you guys are talking to him and they look like almost exact they're very human like wow you have a talent for artwork oh i just like to keep my fingers busy so do we have a deal i sort of look back over my shoulder at the other two and i kind of do like a huh huh what do you think i mean maybe we get paid even though they're going to be in body bags maybe possibly but <laughs> more than likely we'll bring them back perfectly intact and alive and i reach out my hand for the handshake he reaches out and shakes her hand i shake his hand as well and say, may the shoulder of the Ramlord be always at your back. <laughs> he nods, says, may Aldona guide your feet and bring you safely home. Why, thank you. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what any of this means, but... The goddess of travelers. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, you can count on us. We'll get to the bottom of it. Gives a final nod, draws his hood up, steps outside, and with a quick glance around, hurries away down the street. I rush to the door and look out, and he's vanished <laughs> in a puff of smoke <laughs> yeah hey where'd that smoke come from <laughs> the damage guild podcast your locally certified dungeon safety inspectors What is going on, everybody? It's Jay, your friendly local dungeon safety inspector, here with a couple of quick show-related announcements. First off, on behalf of myself and the crew, we are so incredibly pleased to be bringing you this first episode of the Damage Guild podcast after months of planning and preparation. We hope you're enjoying yourself and having a great time. 
Now, these super sweet ambient soundscapes you've been hearing in the background as we play are provided courtesy of a website called tabletopaudio.com. If you haven't checked them out, go do that. Not now, but after the episode's over. This is a great free resource with tons of material available for your tabletop games, and it's not just for fantasy settings either. There are all kinds of genres represented from space opera to western to cyberpunk, and believe it or not, this entire project is a one-man operation top to bottom. Tim is a great guy, he's doing this all on his own, and he's providing a fantastic product to the gaming community. So we want to show our support for his efforts there, and we encourage you to do the same. He's got a Patreon page, a donate button, the site is entirely user-supported, so head on over there, and if you find stuff you like and can use, and you can toss him a shekel or two, all the better. One last thing before we jump back into the adventure. We're just getting started here, and we need your help. We've got a ton of great stuff coming up for you. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we want you along with us for the ride. We run a clean show, so think like PG-rated. Our goal is that you should be able to listen with your kids and not worry about whether we're going to be dropping F-bombs left and right, or at all, actually. I know for me personally, when my wife and I have kids, I imagine playing D&D with them when they're old enough. So that's something that's important to us. If that's something you can get behind, we're going to have exciting new episodes coming out for you each and every week. So hit that subscribe button, tell your nerdy friends about us, leave us a rating, a review. These really help us out a lot. They go a long way toward giving us visibility and feedback. So iTunes, Google Play, whichever fine establishment you frequent, we would be ever so grateful for your support. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's rejoin our heroes as they prepare to embark on what promises to be the greatest adventure of their lives. You are listening to the Damage Guild Podcast. Aslo's like brimming with excitement, but really trying to like hide it and, and play it cool. He's like, well, I was kind of thinking we could um, get started right away. Uh, we could leave today. I mean, it's still early in the morning. We could head out in uh, half an hour. I don't know how long it will take me to walk back home and gather my things. Probably longer than that. Why don't we meet back here at noon? All right. suppose that works. Everything that I have, I made myself. So I'll go home and gather all my handmade things, break down my tent, which is basically a bunch of sticks and a patchwork of animal hides that I've sewn together. And I kind of like carry them in a bundle diagonally across my back. So I break all that down and uh, Stripey and I start on our way toward our destiny. I make it to Isric's home and uh, I grab my few, very few remaining things that obviously I didn't take to the interview from the broom closet. And of course, as I would have expected, uh, Isric isn't home. Very busy wizard. And uh, I, uh, I write him a nice little note basically saying, uh, don't give my broom closet away. Uh, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and uh, although I can't give him a definite time, I plan to bring him back some more alchemical material from my adventure, if he's so interested. <laughs> we meet back up at Aslo's apartment and we're all uh, loaded down with pretty much every worldly possession we own. I've packed my bags, a couple of my musical instruments and other various goods. What kinds of musical instruments do you have? The one that's visible is a lute, a classic medieval guitar-like instrument. I have a small goatskin drum mm. that I made a while ago. Wow. Perhaps we could jam on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let us combine our musical talents to form a band of sorts. Mr. Uh, Tokus, do you have any instruments? Do you play anything? Only the instruments of death. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. I, I play the music box. 
a music oh. but I don't know if you can really count that because it's all pre-programmed I open it and you hear the little device plucking along little tinkling sound yes <laughs> what sorcery is this I guess it really only plays one song huh yeah but I can just build another one it'd only take me an hour and only cost me everything I own 10 gold pieces perhaps you could rap for us or scream well he is a rock gnome he must know how to rock I could rig together some sort of voice application device that we could use to project sound. And like, I'm already like sketching like blueprints. I'll name it after my good friend, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, We venture forth, right? Do we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. You're making your way back up through the city to the Sapphire Road. So named because it connects most directly to the Dwarven Kingdom in the mountains. It is used to trade all of their valuable gems and such. You set out along the road and you pass a few merchant caravans coming from the opposite direction. So, uh, as though I couldn't help but notice, you talk funny. Are you from the kingdom of Ormog, or are you from somewhere else? I did arrive in Nanept not too long ago from out east, and you can see that Azo is slightly nervous answering this question. Oh, okay. Huh. What kingdom were you born in? Oh, what was it? Mm, it's escaping me at the moment. You know the one that's like the east end to the north a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that one. Okay, well, if you think of it, let me know. Oh, I will. I will. Definitely. Don't worry about that. <laughs> what about you, Tokus? Are you from Nanept? Or did you emigrate here like both of us did? I actually haven't been here very long. Uh, I, I like the city. I like what it has to offer. People are interesting. I actually come from way out west, uh, the Rathgaunt Hills. You guys have probably never heard of it, though. I kind of stopped communicating many years back. If it's hills or mountains, then I've probably heard of it. Most of the mountains are east of here, not west. But if you keep going west, because the world is round, which people still don't believe me, you'll eventually hit the Rathgott Hills. So I, I took the long way around. I guess maybe that's why I think they're west. Well, west of the city is the ocean, so... Did you come from the next land over? Yes, I used a subterranean tunnel that us uh, gnomes know about. Wow. wow. Tokus is actually a notorious, like, big storyteller. I don't want them to know where I'm from, basically. Whatever appeases the other two so we can get up the subject of where my character's from. <laughs> so you come from Mer- Meringa. Uh, wait, what is it? Meringian? Merengue? Meringar. Meringar. So you come from Meringar? Meringar is a continent northwest of your continent, which is Ilfrad. I believe it. Wow, a tunnel under the ocean. That sounds incredible. Yes, the hard part is uh, making it pressure-proof and, of course, waterproof. But, you know, us gnomes, we're pretty good at that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I imagine you don't even understand the concept of pressure. Patent pending. <laughs> I, I certainly don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't. My character goes off into this long rant, like, trying to explain <laughs> pressure. I pay close attention and nod attentively, even though I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, that is fascinating. Yeah, so once you have the fundamental principles in place, then it's easy to construct. When he says he's from Marengar, Aslo looks even more visibly nervous, kind of like turns away a little bit. I sort of noticed that, but I don't say anything. The villages along the road here are spaced one day's travel, so you could push on and maybe arrive in town before it gets too late, or you could camp out on the road. We can camp out. I'm no stranger to a night under the stars. Does your tent uh, accommodate two extra half people? Yeah, the fact that you're small means that it will easily accommodate you. Oh, great. Well, I basically grew up doing this stuff every single night. So I set up my tent, I build a fire, I start it, and then I... Actually, we use my fire starter to start it. <laughs> I interrupt you and I say, actually, there's a better way to do that. <laughs> As you're, like, doing the flint and steel method, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, let me... And then I just, with the push of a button... Pfft, 
fire. Wow. I'm amazed. <laughs> so it's like a fantasy lighter, basically? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more or less. What's the surrounding terrain? Is it like uh, meadow or? It's meadow with rolling hills, lots of tall grass, like three or four feet tall. A few trees here and there, but not anything you would call a forest. As soon as the fire's built, and I'm sure that they're warm and settled in, I disappear off into the darkness. I'll bring Stripey with me. He's good at sniffing stuff out. So I'm either foraging or hunting. I've got my bow, essentially just gathering to feed four instead of two. So, Tokus, you mentioned being a slave or something? How did that work? Well, I said like a slave, if you remember exactly. Because I remember exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> you do seem to have a very good memory. All of us rock gnomes do. Ah, I think that'll be a good compliment, because I have a pretty terrible memory. I'm an apprentice, actually. I'm trying to get in with the Alchemist Guild. You know all about the Alchemist Guild, right? Uh, I've heard of it around town. I've seen their posters. They don't let just anybody in there, oh. just so you're aware. Like, you probably couldn't join. Oh, so then could you join? Uh, sort of. Uh, it's it's a man's agreement with Iswick. Uh, essentially, I do his laundry, cook, and clean, and he lets me have his closet. <laughs> you know, now that it's just the two of us, uh, Tendertoe, I want to make it known that I don't like Stripey. I didn't think that Shaba uh, would understand. Naturally. Me and that badger, we're, we're not going to get along. Oh, well, listen, your feelings are of the utmost importance to me and this company, but I want to encourage you that uh, you're under contract now. So with the <laughs> incoming wages that we are going to get in a couple of weeks' time, I am sure you will find it perfectly suitable. <laughs> As you're talking, you look over and I'm standing right at the edge of the firelight, bloody up to the elbow. And I'm holding, <laughs> I'm holding three quail, watching you, listening to you talk. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I come over and sit down and start plucking the feathers and gutting them and all that stuff with my eyes narrowed at the gnome, spilling out all the viscera <laughs> right in front of you. Did you literally kill that with your bare hands? <laughs> Stripey helped, and you notice blood around his uh, mouth. Okay. I kind of glare at Stripey. I wind up my clockwork toy, because I, I think this is like the perfect prank. I mean, he's an animal. He's not going to understand what this thing is. So, like, I wind it up, and I let it loose in his gentle direction. Uh, he'll make an attack roll. <laughs> what kind of toy is that exactly? Like, what's it look like? Uh, this one is in the shape of a monster. It's a little Cthulhu-looking, like, <laughs> monster toy. Perfect for scaring badgers. It's uh, AC5 HP is one. Right. Cthulhu, the natural predator of badgers. <laughs> Okay, yeah, he he got it. I rolled a 13 (laughs) on his attack roll. I imagine he just crushes it to bits with a swipe of his claw and just like springs and gears go flying everywhere. You can tell I'm distressed. I'm so upset. And I say, Shaba, control him. Look what he's done to my machine. I look over and laugh. Never give Stripey anything you want back. Well, this is going to take me all night to fix. (laughs) He does get a little feisty. You'll have to pay closer attention to your things. I shoot Stripey another glare (laughs) because I thought he was going to get freaked out by my little monster toy. Stripey's chewing on one of the gears. I I pull it out of his mouth. Stripey, give me that. And I give it back to you. So I finish the quails and put them on a spit over the fire and cook them up nice with a little bit of, you know, bam, a little bit of seasoning, maybe. Seasoned with wild herbs that you find? Yeah, some wild herbs that I picked up and uh, we each get our own roast quail. What about Stripey? Stripey, he eats half of mine. So you get half a quail and the halfling and the gnome get a full quail? You don't understand how our relationship works, okay? <laughs> you want us to eat that? I'm already critiquing your cooking, Shaba. Like, I'm mid-bite and I realize that you put 
uh, some sort of seasoning on it because you wanted to treat us like we're like your new buddies or whatever. And I'm like, this is disgusting. Why did you put something on my quail without asking me first? I like my food plain. That's my favorite flavor is plain. I didn't know you didn't like that. I'll make it plain for you tomorrow. Good. So I take my water skin out and I actually like rinse off the skin <laughs> of the quail. The precious seasoning. And like eat my plain quail. Much better. I just kind of watch with a sad, wistful look. Now, how about you, Aslo? Did you prefer the flavor of the quail the way it was? I, You know what? It was great. I would have maybe liked a little bit more rosemary, but overall I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I will try to go further into the wilds tomorrow night to find that for you. Gentlemen, I can tell we already have discovered some differences. I think this is healthy. We're getting it out on the table early and, you know, let's keep dialoguing like this. Yes, I, I agree with that and I should have communicated before I began cooking. Yes, you should. It was my fault. They say that communication is the key to a great relationship. So at this point I'm rolling my eyes. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just so angry that my Tinker Toy got destroyed and I'm like in one hand I have some you know engineering Tinker tools and I'm like trying to fix it and the other I'm like eating the quail <laughs> with my back turned. You all finish your meals. Is there anything that you need to do tonight? Are you all going to sleep at the same time? Are you going to set watches? I tell them to get some sleep and Stripey and I will take turns throughout the night keeping watch. Just you and Stripey? Yeah. You guys need your sleep. Don't you need your sleep too? Stripey will help me. Couldn't you just have Stripey keep watch while you're sleeping? Well, Stripey needs his sleep too. He's very grumpy if he doesn't get his sleep. So you guys kind of sleep in tandem? Mm-hmm. So you're really just going to spend all night switching back and forth between you two sleeping? I'm like thoughtful to the point where I would lose sleep just to make sure that my friends are well rested. Unless they insist that they take a watch, I would never like make them. So I'll be exhausted the next day or whatever I have to be. Can I also have exhaustion level? I'm going to let the music box go and the fire tool go, but I am going to stay up until that monster bot's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously this is a new group together. Um, traveling on the road is new to Aslo. I think he's really sensitive to a lot of the tension in the group, and so he really tries his best to sleep well, but uh, even he doesn't get a good night of sleep, and I think he probably <laughs> also takes a level of exhaustion tomorrow. So morning comes... And all three of you find yourselves tired with your backs all aching. I guess you all have a level of exhaustion, since you all opted to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we voluntarily screwed ourselves. So what is that again? It's like disadvantage on like everything, pretty much? Exhaustion is just disadvantage on ability checks, so all of your skills. Yeah, in order to make room, I slept curled around the side of the tent. Not that I like needed to, I just did to be courteous. You two are actually woken up at like 5 a.m. Aha! I've done it! Because I'm, I'm testing my Tentacle Monster 2.0. Not only have I fixed it, but I've also made some upgrades that I think will help me like win against your badger. <laughs> <laughs> like a Robo Wars thing? <laughs> well, yeah, like, it made the legs stronger or something, because that's, like, how I think he got the better of it. Robot versus Badger. <laughs> you set out, and around noon or one o'clock, you reach a small village, probably just a few dozen houses and shops. Um, there are also some outlying farms in the distance. You see people conducting their normal day-to-day business. It's, like, lunchtime, you said? Yes. Midday? Okay. Well, we don't really have any money to eat, but we could at least find a little inn or something, maybe, and stop in to sit down, because we're all kind of tired. The innkeeper looks over at you as you enter the door, says, Welcome, uh, travelers. Sighs you up and down. I'm Shaba, son of Pachaka, last of the Dabade clan and exile of the tribe of Arakashan. Well met. And I'm Olaf. Well met. Olaf Olan, as they say. (laughs) They do say that. So we just sit down and don't order anything. (laughs) 
We're those patrons. Actually, we sit down and order a gigantic pitcher of water. Because <laughs> water's free. And then glasses for everybody. We get, like, pint beer mugs for all of us. And one for my badger here, please. And what will you be having to eat? How kind of you, sir. That's all right. We don't need anything. Thank you. We're fasting for religious reasons. But we will take some of your finest water. <laughs> you hear him mumbling under his breath as he walks away. He brings back a few old glasses and pitcher of water for you. And he looks at Shaba in particular and says, try not to break anything and walks up. <laughs> oh, I'll be very careful. Uh, I pour glasses for my three companions and then one for myself and drink it in a single draft. Draught. How do you pronounce that word? Is it draught or draft? Draft. <laughs> one long draft. I drink the entire <laughs> mug and then I pour myself a second and empty that one as well. <laughs> and then I lift Stripey up onto the table so he can lap water out of his mug. Ooh, Aslo kind of shies away. You know, guys, don't you think we should ask around about the scouts? You know, Murdoch, Strathus, Dillard, Merchant? Oh, yes. I pull out the pictures of their faces. Like, I bet if we asked around with these, we might get a little more intel. What do you think? That's the whole reason we're here, isn't it? That's a great idea. I hand Dillard's picture to Tendertoe, and then I hand Willem's to Shaba. So we each have a picture of one of the three scouts. They're not exact pictures of them. They're just people that also match the description that the guy gave you. Yeah, it's a sketch. It was really good. I pick up Stripey, go up to Olaf, and show him the picture and describe in detail the three men we're looking for and ask him if he remembers them coming this way. He pauses for a moment and says, I think I recall something like that. Is Probably close to a month ago now. But they were well and in good condition when you saw them? They weren't under any duress? As far as I know, they spent the night here, headed out in the morning just like all the other travelers. Said they were headed east. Did they mention anything about the nature of their mission? No, they didn't go into too much detail, and I try not to pry amongst my customers. Well, the nature of our mission is that we've been sent to find them. So if anyone comes asking what happened to us, then you can tell them that we <laughs> got lost trying to find some other guys who got lost. I'll be sure to remember that. I'll ask around some other patrons and see if anybody's seen the one I'm holding. I'm also going around, but I'm kind of like being very like pushy about it. I'm like, have you seen him? Have you seen him? But like, I don't give them enough time to look at the picture because I assume that everybody else's <laughs> mind works as fast as mine does, of course. So, so things aren't going well and, and we're kind of getting more angry looks. Especially towards you. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> no one else in the bar currently seems to recognize any of the pictures or descriptions. We've had a sit down and a bit of refreshment. I'd say it's time we uh, we're moving on. Indeed. All right, we get up and leave. I will drink out of the pitcher the last of the water that's left. And then I'll let Stripey, like, stick his head into it and lick the bottom clean. And then we thank Olaf for his free water. <laughs> I realized that I never refilled my water skin. I dumped it out on the quail yesterday. <laughs> so, like, now, I mean, my water skin's empty and I didn't refill it. Do you say something? Well, no. I I'm already out the door at this point. You drank it yourself and then you gave some to your badger. You should have been thinking that I might need that water. All you saw was me storming off. What's got his goat, as the kids say? I don't know. I'll, I'll get through to him somehow. I'll crack that hard exterior shell. <laughs> Just you wait. By the end of this journey, we'll be fast friends. <laughs> Even Stripey may come around eventually. Stripey's like... Arr? <laughs> he yeah. kind of tilts his head. You see another caravan pull into town as you're getting ready to leave the tavern. Just like merchant goods caravan, you see a dwarf up front. They're coming from the direction that we're heading toward? Yes, coming from the east. Okay, I'll stop and ask the dwarf. Hello, little friend. I'm Shaba, son of Pachaka, last of the Dabade clan and exile of the tribe of Arakashan. I would like to ask you about... Oh, what's your name? <laughs> 
My name is Kudrick. Uh, well, Kudrick, how have your travels been? Have you encountered any difficulties? The road's a little rough, but it always is. A lot of strange talk around. Everyone seems nervous about something happening out in the mountains. What sort of happening are we talking about here? They say that people are disappearing. Whole villages just up and vanishing. Whole villages? I don't believe a word of it. I would like to make a persuasion roll to see if he's willing to divulge more than he's let on so far. And uh, I guess I have disadvantage on that, so... Um, that would be an 11. Do you know more about who's been taken or what's disappeared? A few of the villages in the Verdant Ridge, south of Glenhammer, they all seem to be center of this rumor. So they're just rumors at this point? You don't know anything specific? Seems to me like it would be more than just rumors at this point if it were actually something that serious. Well, we're actually in search of three people who are missing, who went out east and vanished. I hand shop at the pictures. These are them, and I describe them to make up for whatever shortcomings the artwork may convey. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know if I'd seen them. Yeah, well, figured it was worth a shot. Well, best of luck to you on your remaining travels, and may the shoulder of the Ramlord be ever at your back. Thank you, and Aldona watch over you as well. Thanks. I've been hearing a lot about her lately. This lady <laughs> seems kind of nice. I don't know who she is, but she sounds great. Good luck with that. Shaba, if you looked at the visitor's guide for the kingdom, <laughs> you'd know all about her. I'm, and I, I hand him my copy of the visitor's guide. Oh, I, I hadn't seen this, actually. Obviously, he hasn't read it. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, Shaba might not be aware of all of the deities that the humans worship, I guess. But the other two of you definitely know Aldona. Kudrick shakes the reins and the horses move on past you into town. You travel the rest of the day, and once again, since you're kind of off the rhythm of where the villages are placed, you haven't reached the next town when night falls. Sleep in the tent. That's what it's for. Well, uh, do you think we could maybe push on a little bit further? How much further do you think the next town is there, Shaba? If we go into town and stay at an inn, then I have no money to contribute. But if we sleep in the wilderness, then I can provide everything we need. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. I suppose we can we can do that. So that's basically the routine. We sleep in the tent, I do my hunting and foraging thing, and since I have that ability, the natural explorer that lets me gather twice as much food as normal, I'll save some, anything that I can turn into like some type of trail food so that we have a supply of stuff to eat during the day as well. Eventually I get so tired that I kindly ask if you wouldn't mind staying up for a little while during the night to take a watch so that I can sleep. Oh, oh, sure. Why didn't you ask? I, I didn't want to be rude. I'd be happy to help. I fold my arms and I'm like, yeah, it'd be really handy if we had some sort of way to watch out for enemies without having to stay up all night, wouldn't it? Uh, it would. I get the sense that you're getting at something. So I start whipping up blueprints to a plan to some uh, very basic, like, tripwires <laughs> that have, like, what if I take that old music box and rig it up and then add some string that'll, like, open the box. And then that way, if it gets tripped, the music box will start to play and surely it'll wake you up because you have crazy hearing. I show them to uh, Tendertoe because he's my employer. Like, what do you think of this? Hmm. Well, I have to say, you're, you're showing some good initiative here. This is impressive work. Keep workshopping it. Yeah, once we have some capital, some startup funds, perhaps we can use your brilliant mind to create something more robust. What is your typical watch? I'm sort of a, a night owl, so I'll go first. 
I know Tokus likes to wake up in the middle of the night and tinker. <laughs> I'm used to sleeping at nightfall and waking with the dawn, so Stripey and I will take the dawn watch. On my watch, I'll be tuning my instruments, but then also playing some light background music to help the others fall asleep as well. <laughs> Aslo, I guess you would come and wake me up, and it's my turn to go, right? Mm-hmm. My turn to keep watch. And uh, I say that I'm going to keep watch. Actually, all I do is I take my tools outside and work on the clockwork toy monster. And I figure, oh, you know, if something comes about, I'll probably hear it. But I get like really engrossed in fixing this thing because I'm still like really determined that this is going to win like a Pokemon-esque battle with your badger someday. (laughs) You just keep adding little pieces to it over time. Clockwork Cthulhu, I choose you. Yeah. (laughs) Like I make one other tweak, like I add a crab claw instead of just a normal tentacle. It like moves. So I'm not really doing a good job keeping watch, but hopefully you guys don't notice. (laughs) Well, I'm sleeping, so I don't notice. So the next day, you pass through the second village of Lytic's Cross. The people here are about the same as they were at night and as far as rumors and such. They don't have any new information, it seems. The next morning, you arrive in Kaplan Hill. You're passing through one of the farms. You feel a sudden rumble under the ground. You see a large creature emerge 30 feet away from you, burst out of the dirt. It's insectoid, praying mantis-type look, but 10 feet tall. What is that? Does it have claws? Yes. And it immediately starts to attack a nearby cow. <laughs> what? <laughs> that poor cow. I pick up Stripey and run. Yeah, I see Shaba running and I'm immediately like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> I wind up my monster toy. <laughs> I think that maybe the monster will, will see that they both have claws and like think that they're related. And let my monster toy go. You let it go? You actually leave it behind? Yeah, it's. I leave it as a distraction for the monster. And then I follow Shaba. <laughs> Tokus, what are you doing? Don't sacrifice it on something like this. Look at that thing. That thing is huge. I think it's a good plan. I think it'll distract the monster. It's your wind-up toy. You see a farmer off in the distance watching the cow just being attacked and torn to pieces by this creature. I'm like, get out! Go! Run away! Yeah, run. What are you doing? You don't want to get the- eaten by this thing too, do you? Let it have its cow and have its cow and eat it too. <laughs> so the three of you just start running. Your little wind-up toy wanders around the road for a while. The creature bites the center of the cow and just pulls it back underground. Hamburger meat. And you see uh, several other cows nearby kind of wander away. What was that thing? I make a check to see if I know what it was. I was just going to ask the same question. They give me a nature check. Uh, 13. 15. Yeah, you both are aware of these sorts of things. This would be an onkeg. Oh, uh, <laughs> yep, okay. Yep. I remember those from Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Baldur's Gate. That's right. Yeah, because you got to make armor out of them. Yeah, you kill enough and harvest their chitin, and then they, some dude makes armor for you out of it. So great. Yeah, it's the best armor in the game. <laughs> so good. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played a game that's like 10, 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, the statute of limitations on the game is long past. <laughs> it's like 20 years old. I haven't played past the beginning area yet. <laughs> well, you're in for a treat. And keg armor. <laughs> Remember that. This is an impromptu walkthrough for that game. They were actually a game strategy podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In disguise of a D&D podcast. Yeah, you're aware that onkegs are basically insectoid creatures that tend to be a bane of farmers and such because they like to just burst out of the ground, mm. steal cattle, and disappear. Now, you also are aware that they have, in addition to their vicious bite, they have the ability to spray acid at a fairly long, long distance. Ooh, yeah. 
Glad we ran. <laughs> the farmer helplessly watches as everything happens. Wish we could help you. Sorry. Yeah, he should be helplessly running away. <laughs> but hey, that's on him. Well, he is kind of far away from where that came out of the ground. I turn to Shaba and Aslo after we're done running. Are we, are we done running or are we still running? Well, you reach the edge of town. Okay. So, panting. Good thing I dropped my robot. Yeah, uh, you realize you're probably not going to get that back, right? Yeah, of course. But I mean, like, if I had to choose between, like, my life and my robot, like, I'm going to pick me. <laughs> Surely he was distracted by it because of the resemblance. Yeah, he, he probably thought it was his tiny metallic child. Yes, definitely. I think we've all learned a lesson here today. I'm not sure what that lesson is, but I think we've all learned a lesson here today. So you rest in town for a little while, pass through. It's cloudy and starts to drizzle as night approaches. Next day you arrive in Nafton, which is where the road splits. That's actually the town's logo. Nafton, where the road splits. <laughs> Were we told which way to turn, exactly? Yeah, yeah, he outlined the route. Oh, uh, that's right. I'll go ahead and do a little bit more, uh, see if I can do in- any information gathering, just, just to double check if anyone else knows anything. I'm not the one to be doing this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, I got a 15. You do notice that the people in this town seem a little bit more ragged than in the other towns that you've passed through. The innkeeper recognizes the descriptions of the three people you're looking for, and he says that they did all pass through and they were all looking fine when he last saw them. Uh, And again, they all ask the same question. They were in good health and they didn't appear to be under any stress or... Stress or duress? Stress or duress. Nope, they seemed just fine. Um, They were all Hmm. hardy adventurers traveling along. Seemed like they were used to this sort of thing. Kind of like us, but not quite as hardy. I would say a little more so. (laughs) I would say not. Pretty sure. Pretty sure we're the hardier ones. We're the hardiest around. (laughs) Certainly the better looking. But of of course. (laughs) No question. No one's been getting much sleep these days. Too much bad news coming out of the south. Villages are falling prey to some sort of unstoppable blight. Oh my. People are dying and... Everyone's trying to run away. It's a plague in the south, you say? That's what I've heard from the people traveling up through here. I think I've seen something like this before. This plague, it wouldn't happen to be a type of spell plague, would it? I don't know anything about magic. I say that aside to Aslo, because I think that you'll understand. I say, hmm, could be a spell plague. It could be. Uh, I'd have to, uh, have to see it up close in person to know for sure. Do you know any more about the nature of the plague? Not exactly. Some people claim that the victims become weak and frail, very sickly, and eventually they just die. Hmm. After they die, do they, like, come back to life? And then do you have to, like, stab them in the head in order to keep them from being like that? You mean like the undead? Yes. I haven't heard anything about their being undead, but most people tend to leave as soon as these things start happening. Well, I can understand why. That doesn't sound like fun. If the news keeps on coming, I'm thinking of leaving town here myself. It's just too close. Oh. How close is it? Last I heard was two or three villages over. Has it been spreading from village to village? Seems that way. Ugh. That is decidedly no good. You could always invest in some of those, like, allergy mask things, you know, that cover your nose and mouth. That would be probably be a good place to start. I don't think they have those. Yeah. That's a shame. Well, we uh, are always looking for new business, so if you know of anyone who is in need of a few strong, handsome fellows to go do some uh, some odd jobs and errands for you that might involve traveling and or slaying beasts and that kind of a thing, uh, give me a call, and I hand him a business card. <laughs> slaying beasts, huh? 
Well, I have heard that there are some problems with onk eggs over in the town to the west. Yeah, that's a little bit above our pay grade. Yeah, yeah. That is out of the <laughs> scope of our capability. Right, right. We're not really much in the realm of insect, uh, bug, creature things. That's, that's a different sort of enterprise, if you will. Yeah. We're more interested in these other things you were talking about earlier. The uh, undead. Well, I don't know if there's any undead. You brought that up. Oh, so we did. Well, good day to you, sir. Have a good one. Enjoy. May the shoulder of the Ram Lord be ever at your back. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> All right. We sally forth on our merry way. You leave town southeast on Millet's Road and travel through the hills as they become increasingly hilly and mountainous. Hilly hills, <laughs> my favorite kind. Yes, you can easily see the mountains rising in the east. As we're walking, I turn to you guys and... I say, well, if they're not coming back as undead, maybe it's not a spell plague. Hmm. You do know of spell plagues. Uh, remind me? Well, it's kind of like a normal plague. Uh, you'll get similar symptoms. In fact, I've already written down some of the symptoms that he told us. Uh, but usually it ends in some sort of horrific way where, like, villagers are either fused together or, like you said, come back to life. Uh, so since... None of those symptoms are present. Uh, my guess is that maybe this is a more normal plague. No, I hadn't heard of people getting fused together before. That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> that sounds really painful. The day passes uneventfully. You don't pass anyone on your way on to town on the road. When you arrive, it is probably around 8 o'clock or so at night. I grab the nearest <laughs> commoner by the collar <laughs> and pull him close and say, What's the nicest inn in town? Well, you would do that, except when you arrive, you don't see any commoners around. What? What? The plague. No. The buildings are intact. The moon is bright enough to give you a decent view of the village. You would guess there's probably just a few dozen dwellings here. It's a fairly small place, but you see no signs of any people. There's no candlelight or anything in any of the windows, and... You can sense just a slight, barely noticeable kind of rotting stench of something in the background Ooh. as you approach. Mm. Holy schmazola. I reckon this place is a ghost town. 